Because for me, the beauty is exposing the humanity of people, you know? Pretty is as pretty does. And when you see someone struggling to figure out who they are, there's beauty in that. And I gravitate towards those characters that are fractured, that are broken, but are struggling to put their pieces back together. Hello, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America. In today's episode, a disgraced fighter gets a last shot at redemption in director Halle Berry's drama, Bruised. The film tells the story of mixed martial arts contestant Jackie Justice, who has failed at the one thing she's ever been good at, fighting. When the young son she abandoned years ago returns to her doorstep, Jackie must conquer her demons both inside and outside the cage. Bruised is Ms. Berry's feature directorial debut. Following a recent screening of the film at the DGA Theater in Los Angeles, Ms. Berry shares insight into the making of Bruised with fellow director David E. Talbert. Listen on for their spoiler-filled conversation. Halle Berry, ladies and gentlemen. I asked him to move our seat, my seat a little bit farther because I saw them punches and right arm crosses <laughs> and drop kicks. You don't like one of these questions. I don't want, I don't want to have to get handled. Uh, wow. You're a little too big for me, though. No, I saw you. You got a big, there was a big girl in the first one. You handled her pretty oh, well. Oh, well, true. Yes, you true. handled her pretty well. Uh, wow. It's good to be here. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so very much. Congratulations. So, wow. So your directorial debut, uh, a lot of mountains you've climbed. One of my favorite films, uh, Boomerang, of course, one of my favorite films, the theme song, Love Should Have Brought You Home. What brought you to directing and did you feel like you were at home? I finally felt at home by the time it was all said and done, but Um, If I'm honest, this isn't really what I set out to do. I didn't set out to direct this movie. I set out to act in it because I love the character. When I read the script, I'm a fan of MMA and um, I love fractured, broken characters and that whole world. I, I only directed because I couldn't find a director that shared my vision. And it was a dear friend of mine who said to me when I said, I, I can't find a director. I don't know if this is going to work, if I'm going to make this movie. And she looked at me and she said, well, why don't you do it? And I said, are you high? <laughs> what are you smoking? Like, g- give me some. <laughs> I'm like, I can't. I have this huge role as an actor. I've never directed before. I had just written a short. And I thought, I'm going to do this little short film on plastic surgery. I'm going to start that way. And she said, you know what, if, if I'm honest with you, you have so much passion. You understand the story so much. Every time you speak about it, you, you see it clearly. You know it completely. Why don't you do it? And I said, I'm, I'm scared. I don't know if I can do that. And she said, well, all you have to do is face the fear. And once you get over the fear and you convince yourself you can do it, I have all the confidence in the world in you. And I smoked on it, not literally, figuratively, I smoked on it (laughs) for 48 hours. And then I realized, you know what? I can do it. Why can't I do it? Of course I can do it. All I can do is fail. And if I fail, then you know what? I'll learn and I'll do it again. You know? Well, the the level of... The level of physicality that you put in this film, 
what was harder, the training or the technical, uh, learning the technical aspects of directing? What was the hardest? You know, it was all hard in different ways. The training was physically hard and that just demanded, you know, hours and hours of, you know, getting my body to do the things that I wanted it to do. The technical part of movie making, you know, I've been an actor for 30 years and I've been around sets and I know directors and I've always been an actor that, you know, got to the set and didn't just go into my room and say, okay, call me when you're ready. I've always been curious and nosy. I've been in all the departments wondering how things are done, always looking through the camera, looking at the DP, how he's doing the lights, like always just wanting to understand you know, um, all the departments. So I felt like I had a working knowledge of how it all worked, Mm -hmm. but it was daunting the moment that I realized, oh, I have to answer all the questions. You know, Mm -hmm. someone will ask me a hundred questions a day and they're Mm -hmm. expecting me to guide them and Mm -hmm. um, get out of my head into their heads so that they could support me in the best way they could. And Mm -hmm. that you know, was probably my biggest challenge. Mm -hmm. In the second day now, you broke a couple ribs. It's your first film you're directing. You break a couple ribs. Now, I remember my first film, my second day, I I chipped my tooth on a candy apple at the um, craft services. And it was the worst thing. I didn't know if I could make it, if I could go on. But I powered through and I made it happen anyway. (laughs) What did you think? Two days, broken ribs. Come on. Did you work with that chip, too? Oh, yeah, I did. did I did. You didn't even get it fixed? No, no, no. I said, you know what? I'm going to man up. And I'm going to power through. And I did that thing, Hallie. You did. You proud of me? I did that thing. Thank you. Yes, that's what I was proud of myself. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I did did the same thing. (laughs) You did? I manned up. You manned up. (laughs) I womaned up. and And I kept going. So what? what went through your mind? Is this the cosmos telling me something? <laughs> is this the Lord giving me a message that I shouldn't be doing this? What, what what went through your mind? No, what went through my mind was there is no way I could absolutely stop. I mean, stopping didn't even cross my mind. The movie I'd done before this, John Wick, I'd broken three ribs. And that production got shut down, but that was a big, huge production, and it could absorb a shutdown. This was a little indie that I had to cobble the money together for. And I knew that if I told them I had broken these ribs, insurance would shut me down. I knew I would lose my money. I mean, even making the movie, I had my money one day. I didn't have money the next day. It's like the money had wings. It it was just flying away. So I knew that if I said I was hurt, the money would go away. I knew I would never get Valentina Chevchenko back. She was, and still is the current UFC flyweight champion. And to take, you know, six weeks out of her reigning, you know, champion status was already a big thing. I knew I'd never get her back. And this, this dream, these two years that I spent training would be for nothing, you know? So, and I had been training for so long that I had embodied the fighting spirit and fighters never stop. Like you hear fighters talk about, they have dislocated shoulders, they, they break bones, they pull ligaments, all kinds of things. And they keep going. The adrenaline takes over and they keep going. And that's what happened for me. But I did that for three days where I just, um, stopping just wasn't an option. And I just prayed that I wouldn't puncture a lung or something like really serious, but I would just suck it up. Well, it was inspiring seeing you. I mean, I was watching the film with, uh, I had about three jelly donuts while I was watching it inspired me <laughs> to put them down. I, I, I picked them back up later when it was over, but during the movie <laughs> I said, 
how you were in shape. I mean, the shape that you had to be in. I mean, who who trained you, and what was what was that experience like? Learning to to be a, a MMA fighter. Yeah, I trained with um, one of my trainers, Peter Lee Thomas, who's a martial artist. I uh, Eric Brown, who was a former MMA fighter. All kinds of trainers came in: Eves Edwards, um, Hensel Gracie. Uh, Rob Constantine, all kinds of trainers came in that were sort of, you know, at the top of their game. I trained with Valentina, you know, she's the champion. So all kinds of people came in to support me and gave me these uh, crash courses, if if you will. But I had to learn jujitsu, taekwondo, judo, aikido, wrestling, boxing, kickboxing, Muay Thai, <laughs> like all of them. So I had okay. to learn bits of all of them. So uh, you and Patty Jenkins in the ring, who fucks up who? I mean... Uh, <laughs> Okay. Okay. Good. How about Ava, Regina? I, I would just put my money on. I mean, really, pound for pound, you are the the heavyweight champion. Uh, okay. So you had movies like uh, it was the Hillary Swank movie was Boys Don't Cry. No, Million Dollar. Oh, Baby. Million Dollar Baby, right? You Boys had Rocky. Rocky. You had um, I had. The wrestler. Uh, the wrestler. Like, okay. So what did you learn from those movies and what did you teach those movies? Well, I learned um, Rocky. The original Rocky is one of my all-time favorite fight films. And I love the fight genre, which is probably why I wanted to make a movie in the genre. Um, I loved sort of the um, the scrappiness of the first Rocky. I love that he didn't win. I love the message that it's not always about winning a title or a belt, but it's about somehow winning in life. So I knew that that would be a part of my film. I love the wrestler, the rawness of what Darren Aronofsky did, that a, a different take on a fighter, which again made it, you know, gave us a reason to tell another story in this genre, you know. Um, and I think, I hope what I taught it was that, you know, not many women have told stories in the genre. So I hope this movie is infused with a female point of view. I know I tried very hard to instill that in this movie, therefore giving us another reason to see another movie that, you know, these movies have been made by the greatest directors of our time. So why would you want to get in that ring unless you had really something different to offer and something new to say? I, I found myself as a director watching it first, uh, as a as a director, I'm saying, okay, I want to make sure. Sure, I'm like, I'm pulling for you. I'm like, come on, come on. I'm like, and then I had an ease after I said, okay, you got this. And as a father of a black boy, there are moments that just broke my heart in the best kind of way. Big uh, protects little. You don't have to be afraid. And the nuance that you brought in there, I said to myself, even before we had a conversation, that this is someone who understands the dynamics of these relationships with a little black boy uh, and understands relationship with a mama. And that those, those nuances I hadn't seen in those movies that made me lean into them and really appreciate you coloring it with that. How, how was that for you? Thank you for saying that. Those were the, all the things that were really important to me. And along the way, some people have said when we were putting the movie together, well, when she first sees the little boy, why, why doesn't she hug him? Like that's what a mother would do. And so it's the nuances that you speak about and you speak about how we are different culturally. Uh, and that's just not what we do. That's not true to who we are and how we are. And um, the generational trauma that we suffer appears 
in different ways for us. And we deal with our love of our children and our family in just different ways. The love is the same. It's just, we deal with it differently. And it was important to, you know, I had to battle to keep those moments because I think people often want to see something warm and fuzzy that makes them feel good. Well, this was about exposing the truth of something not just manipulating an audience and giving them something to feel good about. It was about giving them an opportunity to maybe learn something about the others and about another culture. When the lady that played your mother, when she allowed you to take your son at the end and, uh, and it was just, you know, (laughs) no, no hugging, you know, I I, I was raised a single, single parent household and the first time I tried to hug my father as a grown man, it was the most awkward thing ever. And we could reach him for the hug. And he says, all right, now, watch out now. <laughs> That's what he says because he was uncomfortable. So it was, you know, those nuances we don't really see much. And thank you for painting it with the brush. And thank you for uh, lending the authenticity to it so some, that we can lean into it as a community. Thank you. And I had a lot of help. You know who really helped me too and let me know that I was on the right track? While Michelle Rosenfarb was the original writer, I reached out to Stephen Adley Gerges. And, you know, he's a Pulitzer Prize winning playwright who's done, you know, um, Juju Top to A Train, Motherfucker the Hat, um, Between Riverside and Crazy. That's what he won the Pulitzer for. And he's a, a phenomenal playwright, and you know, and he understands this world and the complexity of it. And I reached out to him and I said, Stephen, let's go through this together and make sure that I have the language right. Um, and he was very, very helpful in helping me flush out these characters. One of my favorite TLC songs was Unpretty. You have a, uh, a theme in a lot of your movies of being unpretty. How do you find the beauty in what would aesthetically feel or seem or look unpretty? Because for me, the beauty is exposing the humanity of people, you know? Pretty is as pretty does. And when you see someone struggling to figure out who they are, there's beauty in that. And I gravitate towards those characters that are fractured, that are broken, but are struggling to put their pieces back together. That inspires me. I know I've had to struggle in my life to keep my pieces together. I come from, you know, a very um, somewhat abusive childhood. And so I've struggled to put my pieces back together. So I have great compassion for those that are struggling to do that. And people deserve forgiveness. We deserve second chances, last chances. You know, we deserve to find redemption. And I love characters who are fighting, fighting for that and refusing to be victimized. Those are the characters that really get me excited. Well, it came across really well. And, uh, you know, when, when I see you in those, in these roles, I sit back and I say, oh, this is going to be a good interesting ride. <laughs> and uh, in the bathroom scene was one of those uh, when you were going through a um, panic attack. I'm not an actor. I don't play one in the movies. And do you lose yourself in those moments? And does it, does it, uh, is it challenging to come out of those moments? I do like to lose myself, meaning give over to the character. Mm -hmm. And, 
you know, get outside of my head and stop thinking about what I'm doing and just do, you know, like I often, um, as an actor, I never care where the camera is. I know actors that are always like, Oh, what lens are you on? Like you hear you there. I've been an actor. I don't care. I'm going to give you my performance every time. I don't care if you're in the back of the room and I'm this big in the frame, I'm going to give it to you every time. That's just how I work. So I love to lose it and lose track of where I am and just service that character. But through the years, I've also learned with, you know, studying and learning about the craft that it's important to leave that there. I have two children. Like the last thing I want to do is bring this stuff home Mm -hmm. to my family. That's Mm -hmm. also very dangerous. So I've learned how to get it all out there, leave it all there, have a great cathartic experience and then leave it, leave it there and pick it back up. So the roles are kind of therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Usually no matter what they are, I find a way to make it therapy, to get something out of it that's personal for me while giving it, um, leaving it on the screen. And for the audience, I always want to take something. That's writing for me too. Yeah. You know, it's, it's working these things out and and the scripts have to work them out. Yeah. All the characters have pieces of me and that feels the same. Yeah. And it's a healthy way to do that. You know, I find it's very healthy to work it out in this safe environment. Yeah. What, what, what mountains are there, are there left? My, my great grandmother, when she was 93, uh, she was a pastor of a church for 50 years. My heart is my heart. And so a few months before she passed, I talked to her, I said, Ma, I said, why would you, uh, want to pastor and fool around with black folks in the church for 50 years? Why would you want to do that? And she looked at me, she said, Davey, preaching was Nothing I ever wanted to do was something that I had to do. She said, I ran. And, uh, but she said, you can't outrun a have to. Sooner or later, it'll look you in the face and stare you and, uh, and make you decide to either follow it or it moves on to someone else who will. So what do you have to do? What do you have to do? I think I have to just keep being true to myself and taking risks and chances and daring to live authentically and speak my truth and not worry about the judgment or um, what people will feel about it necessarily or say about it, but, you know, keep living authentically. That's, that's what I've always done. And I have to keep doing that no matter what that is. I have to keep doing that. So you get um, this movie comes out. The people are enjoying it. It's on platform, international platform all across the world. So a script comes to your desk and they say, Hallie, I just love what you did and and uh, bruised and uh, how you the, the aesthetic vision and the choices and the performance and how you were able to be in front of the camera, behind the camera. I would love for you to direct this movie. What would you say to them? It depends what it is. If it's a fight movie, no. <laughs> Are you hungry? Have you been bit by the bug? I, I think so. I think going through this process, I realized, one, I can do it. I loved to do it. I love actors. I loved telling a story from my point of view. You know, I think it fills a white space. I think more women need to tell stories from female point of view, and especially black women. That's the very much the white space. So... Um, I think so. I doubt I'll ever want to star in it again. That was a lot of a lot of a lot. <laughs> I don't think I want to do that again. I'd, I mean, either one of those jobs to me are largely enough. 
but I, I certainly want to tell more stories. Yeah. Well, well, we certainly want to see more stories from Halle Berry, don't we? I'll take, I'll take one, two questions from the audience. Two questions. Well, um, we were shooting the fight first because, of course, Valentina and I were training. We went through a real weight cut together and we had learned all the choreo. It was all fresh. So the big fight had to be first. That was a five-day fight. Day two broke the ribs. I knew that if I could get through that fight, that I then could sit down with my first and I could rearrange the boards to put all of my physical stuff then towards the end of my fight and I can do all the other things, giving myself about three weeks to kind of start the healing process. And they told me with three weeks, my bones would be mended back together. And so then I could do some physical stuff towards the end. So that's what I did. That's what I, I told them on a Friday. That's when we ended the fight. I said, guys, I can't breathe. Something's broken. I got to go to the hospital. And it's funny how when, when the fight was over, all of a sudden I couldn't breathe because it was over now and my body shut down and I literally couldn't take a breath. And I had the weekend to sort of reboard my whole film and I put the heavy stuff towards the end of the shoot. That's how I, I manage that. And, you know, it was very pretty low budget. So, you know, I, when I started my pre-production, I had a certain amount of money. Two weeks in, I lost a million dollars. Three weeks in, I lost another million dollars. And then four weeks in, I lost two more million dollars. So my board kept changing and I kept having to rewrite the script, change my locations, change my days. It was a constant, um, you know, uh, puzzle piece for me to figure out. And I had so many people on the production that said to me, in all my 30 years, I've never seen anything like this. Probably 20 people told me various things that were happening that they had never seen anything like it. So I feel like I got, I I, I had a harder way to go with the way I went, but I'm grateful for that because now I know every experience from this experience on will probably be indelibly easier <laughs> because I've been through the hardest things everybody tells me they've, they've ever seen anybody have to go through. So Especially all the hats that you were wearing. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I felt like, um, well, tax reasons were one. I'm going to just shoot you straight. <laughs> this money I didn't have, I had to make the most of it. And I could have gone to other places for um, tax purposes, but I felt like Newark is a place that hadn't been shot to death, you know? Um, and I loved it aesthetically. I thought it fit the grittiness of the story that I wanted to tell, and it was new, and it felt fresh, um, and also tax <laughs> money. Take one more question. <laughs> I think I don't. I don't have top of mind what that would be because I'm sort of not on a on a preaching miss, mission. You know, there's nothing I'm really you know want to beat you over the head with. I just know that whatever story would interest me, I would fight to tell it from a female point of view. And it would have to be a black female point of view because I'm a black female and I would just fight really hard to hold on to that vision. And I had to fight really hard in this movie to hold on to the vision of what was true for me. So whatever I chose, one, I'd have to love it. I'd have to know about it or take the time to research it. And then I'd have to fight for my sensibility as a black woman to be um, guiding the story. Even if others didn't understand it, I would argue like I did with this movie. I know you don't understand it. That's why you need to let me do it this way. And you need to sit back and learn and maybe find some compassion for the others, because that means it's telling you something new, something different. It's a different perspective. And I think that's what I'll have to keep fighting for, whatever that will be in the future. 
I've, I've had this before and I haven't had this before from directors, but I knew being an actor that it was really important to me to be very collaborative with them. I know as an actor, when I meet a director that, um, has made up in their mind and it's usually writer directors, they've made up in their mind how this care, how this is going to go and what this character is because most you of the time. You do know I'm a writer director. They've, I know. That's why I'm looking okay, at you. Well, yeah. Just, just, just so you, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> when you guys write it and you see it the way you see it, and then an actor comes along and has a point of view. It's very important to stay open to the collaborative process. Mm-hmm. And you have, and I helped write some of these characters. And you have to give it over to the actor. Hire the actor mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. believe is right for the job, and then give them leeway to inhabit the character and be open and listen to their ideas because they usually spend more time with this character than you have had time to because it's their singular mm-hmm. focus. Mm-hmm. And I found mm-hmm. that my actors, I picked. I cherry picked them and I took my time picking them. And when they came to me with ideas, I was 100% open. And I said, yes, let's try that. Let's see how that feels. Let's see how that works. And sometimes it worked. And sometimes they realized on their own volition oh, that, that that really didn't work, did it? And I would say, no, but, you know, we tried it. And so, you know, we've lost nothing. We're, we're, we're exploring. And so I would say I, I wanted to create a safe environment. I wanted to allow them to explore. I wanted to be collaborative. And I took every single thing they said very seriously. And I considered every idea, every thought they had. I wanted them to just vomit them to me mm-hmm. because that was part of our process. And through that, I thought they, they trusted me. Very much. And I know I've trusted directors that approached me that way. And and in the love scenes, I told them too, these love scenes, you know, we'll go as far as we go. And I promise you, I won't put anything on the screen that you're not happy with. You'll see these scenes before anyone else sees them. And once we're okay with them, then I'll, I'll open it up. But I made those scenes because they're very intimate that they had to be, they had to be in control of those scenes as well. It's important, uh, as as what you're saying, is that these the the set is alive. It's a living, breathing thing. The this this the pages are just the words on page. They're, they're not alive, and you have to you have to allow this thing to be what it's supposed to be, which may be different than what's on that page. And it's always different than what's on the page. I know so many of the moments in in, in Bruised were so different on the page and they so different from the page and they took a life of their own and I was there to capture it and I was there to encourage it and inspire it Mm -hmm. and give over to it and Mm -hmm. as an actor be a part of it with them and see Mm -hmm. where we could take it and we went way further than than the page. You always get more in that moment than you were with someone saying well coming up to you scripts Supervisor would come yes. and say, "I was saying, oh, okay, All right. they're fine, <laughs> yes. they're fine. What are we doing here? Yeah. Well, Let you know, go. there's yeah, there's, yeah. okay, yeah. let's go. What are we doing? Yeah. And that's where it's alive. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorites, uh, <clears throat> Halle Berry. Welcome to the wonderful world of directing. This brutal world of directing. This thankless world. You are everything the world wants and needs in an artist, Halle Berry. Ladies and gentlemen." <laughs> Thank you for inviting me to the club. Thank you. Thank you. I'm honored. It's a privilege. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to another DGA Q&A. If you'd like to hear more, The Director's Cut is available wherever you listen to podcasts. And please share, subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear your feedback, and you can help fellow film buffs find the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. 
This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. 